Peace, grace, this is Pastor Colton Lott from First Christian Church, Disciples of Christ, El Reno. We have the privilege of building Christian community in El Reno for the world. And so if you care about building Christian community or El Reno or the world, we're glad you're listening to this podcast. If you want to help contribute to the gospel work of this congregation, please visit our website, fcclreno.org, and go to the Give Online tab. And now, here's the sermon for the week. Hear these words from the Gospel according to Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 24. Now the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be pregnant from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and an unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to divorce her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel from the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife, but, not, but had no partial relations with her until she had given birth to a son, and he named him Jesus. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. God, we come before you here in this special time of the year. We come with our hopes and our fears, with our worries and our delights. And we come back to this word that is true. It is bread for today. It is alive, especially when it is heard in your community, when it is here with us and among us. That is when it is its most living word of God. So make it so for us. Let it speak and let it speak in spite of me so that we might all overhear something holy, good, and true. Amen. When you read your Advent devotional this week, edited by Carol Nichols, and I know you will, you will have beautiful selections. First, today from Anna Reinhardt, tomorrow from Curtis Dew, and several others like this week, like Bailey Schmidt and Karen Jennings. So I invite you to pick one up at either door today. And I invite you to actually take two, one for your family, and also one to drop off somewhere in the community. Maybe at your doctor's office, maybe at your gym or at the coffee shop. Uh, because truly, one of the best things we have to share is our testimonies, and those are in here over and over again. So please take one for you and one to share. And so I say all this not just to give a shameless plug, but because I want to highlight, one might say, or spoil if you're a little uh, uh, 
um, if you're expecting it all to be surprise, Linda Fogg's devotional from this Tuesday. I told her uh, when the choir was rehearsing that I was borrowing from her words, so hopefully she will talk to me after worship today. <laughs> Linda writes, have you ever been house hunting? Isn't it fun to go looking for a new home? There are always visions of comfort and peace when we start dreaming of what a home feels like. Sometimes we get overwhelmed when we think about what it is that we want in our new home, how big it is or how small it is or what location might be right. Our hope is that our home will be one of sanctuary, one that heals us when we are home. Now, here's the funny thing. I have been house hunting exactly one time in my life, and Linda Fogg was with me for that exact one time. It was shortly after I moved to El Reno, I knew that I wanted to own my own home here, and I wanted to live on the east side of town, and I wanted to live close enough I could walk to work, which I still do most days, except when it rains. So when I went to look at the home that I ultimately bought, or the bank bought for me, and I'm still paying the bank, I took Linda and Richard Fogg with me to make sure I was getting a good deal and that it would be a quality home. I figured Linda would know as well as anyone and certainly far better than 25-year-old me. And Linda's right. What carried me through a, a kind of scary process of approval and inspections and making a commitment that was financially extraordinary were those dreams and those visions of how that home would feel. The big tree in the yard, the porch where Mimi and I would sip uh, summertime delights like iced tea or margaritas, cooking in a well-designed kitchen with a pot filler that still has not worked in the five years I've lived there. <laughs> My hope was the same of everyone who seeks a home, which is to say the hope of sanctuary. Now Linda goes on to write, this season we can be thankful for hope. Sometimes it feels impossible to remember because we are surrounded with so much chaos. There is war and terrorism. There is division in our churches. There is the breakdown of the family. There is illness and disease. But God is with us. That's what the message of the Gospel of Matthew says too. They just take 28 chapters to do it and Linda took a paragraph. As you all surely know, there are four Gospels which tell the story of Jesus' life, ministry, teaching, crucifixion, and resurrection. And one of the most radical things that Christianity does is preserve four of these stories, which all talk about the same Jesus of Nazareth, but present him in four distinct ways. Now, only two of those Gospels, Matthew and Luke, have what we call infancy narratives about Jesus' early life. And they have some differences. Luke talks about a surprise census, Matthew about magi, but both agree on a few very important details. The first is that the conception of Jesus was miraculous. The second is that he had two parents named Mary and Joseph. Now, Jesus' parents get relatively little uh, screen time, you might say, in the Gospels. But once a year, we return to some of these well-worn stories to be filled again with fascination. What were they like? 
What did they look like? How old were they? What did they do? How did they do it? How did they take on this unsurprised, this surprise blessing? How did they say yes? What was it like when an angel came to visit? Mary, did you know? Our worship series for Advent and Christmas is home for the holidays, and we're, fo- we're focusing on that first word especially, that word of home. Now, this is because we're often consumed with home around the holidays, with decorating our homes, putting lights on our homes, traveling to other homes, concerned about who doesn't have a house or a home with enough this season. Listen, and you'll hear that word a lot this month. But home for the holidays is also our theme because that's the message of Advent, The great God with us, the great Emmanuel, called and calls this world home. And still does, and will do so again. So that's why we're spending time each week with Jesus' starter home, you might say. Today, focusing with Mary and Joseph in this stable or barn, or really it would have been something kind of like the garage of ancient times, where the stuff and the animals lived, probably attached to a home of a family or relative of Mary and Joseph. And I suspect that some, or maybe most of you, are thinking, well, how about that? The preacher's talking about Mary and Joseph at Advent. What a surprise. But here's why I think we might need to spend time again with this cast of characters that shows up in nativity sets all around. Because we're human. And we often read these stories and we put the humans as the main characters in them. And from there we extract morals like today. We might say Joseph and Mary trusted in God. So should we. Pretty good. That's fine. We learn a lot from our ancestors in faith, and you could certainly do a lot worse than trying to imitate Mary and Joseph. But as we talk about the characters and what they might teach us, I also want us to pause and notice the main character in each of these stories too, which is to say, what is God doing in these stories? How is God building a home for this holy day we call Christmas this past Wednesday at the Gingerbread Bash, we asked the, the children and youth and the, family, and the family and the parents and the friends toward the end of the night, which may have been a mistake, why do you think Jesus was born in a stable instead of a palace? Because at this point in the evening, the sugar and the fun had really taken over. So I'm not sure how many of the children were able to actually answer that question, but it is a critical one. And what I hope that they and we return to over and over again in our lives. Why was Jesus born in a stable instead of a palace? Now, I'm leery of the humanization of God. Sometimes we make God far too much like our buddy, just like another one of us. But perhaps during Advent, when we remember the Word made flesh, it's a time to quiet that caution. Because God did, in fact, come to be one of us. So I'll commit a few theological heresies to say it would seem God made a choice. And it wouldn't be a choice that follows the logic of worldly power. Or to be more in line with 
general church thought, the nature of God demanded that God showed up first to folks like Mary and Joseph. Demanded that God showed up to a young, engaged but not yet married, trade workers from a backwater that even then they would have had to look up on a map. Kings were born in capitals to parents with titles, with splendor and luxury and gold, and knew not want. That's not the story of our Jesus. He was born to humble, simple folks who were silly enough or didn't know better to just simply say yes when God called. And I'm grateful that it's so because it gives us hope. Because perhaps it is the case that God is seeking a home much more like ours than not. Because I hate to break it to you, but for the majority of us, our homes are much more like a stable than a palace. Which means that your home perhaps is the kind of place where God might show up. Even your messy house, even amidst violence, Even with economic hardship, the God with us comes to these places first. To homes cluttered and messy with too few presents under the tree. Homes that are filled with grief instead of joy. Homes that might be foreclosed on next month or evicted any day now. Homes with weird family structures with stepkids and half-siblings and mom and dad aren't exactly married yet homes. And God might look at your home and say, that'll do. That can be my sanctuary. So the trick for us is to be on the lookout because God shows up at Christmas. This month, for most of us, will be the most stressful time of the year. Merry Christmas. (laughs) The financial burdens are high. The stress of family is exceptional. The social calendar is as full as it will ever be. I'm your pastor, so I know this. It's hard for us to hold it all together. It is hard for us to keep hope. But when God seeks a home, it just might be with you. It just might be in your home that feels too small, with your presence which seemed too meager, with your food that seems too bland. It just might be that you don't have everything set just right or your life in order or your resume tucked away so that God will show up in your home this Christmas. Because that is, after all, God's signature move. Showing up to the unlikeliest, seeking a home with the vulnerable, even inconveniencing some of us in the process, but nevertheless, God breaks in. God comes to live with us, us. God goes house hunting and discovers what we call a mess and instead calls it a home, a sanctuary. Will you host the God with us this season? I'll leave you with this thought, which is really Carol Nichols' thought, which you can read next Sunday, December the 10th, in our Advent devotional, take one, take two. Joseph never speaks once in the Gospels. He is never once quoted. But his actions speak louder than words ever could. His yes is borne out, not in the words on the page, but in his quiet decisions and movements. 
And I imagine that's how most of us are the not. Some of us are, in fact, Advent devotional writers and preachers and teachers, and otherwise we might call them word people. Mary seems to have been in that camp. You can find her beautiful words in Luke 1. But for the rest of us, well, we have quiet Joseph. Quiet Joseph who knew this was a bad time to take on another project. Who knew this wasn't an ideal moment for another mouth to feed and good Lord, what are the neighbors going to say? But nevertheless, when God sought a home with Joseph, the little he had became everything for the Christ child. That's the blessing and the challenge for us too. For our homes to be sanctuary in these holidays. Where we present the little we have and it becomes everything for the Christ child in our midst. Amen. Amen.